I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the A-Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy Quilden joined by Andy Boy Simmons. Andy Boy, it's great to have you back on this wonderful podcast. Uh, thank you, Andy. It's great to have you back as our wonderful well, self-appointed host. We're, well, we're co-hosts, aren't we? It's not like a it's not like a shoot interview with Andy Boy Simmons every week. But last week, though, it was a shoot interview with Andy Boy Simmons, wasn't it? It certainly was, and uh, I got a few things off my chest, and I hope everyone found it at least somewhat entertaining and possibly revealing. Well, I I certainly found it entertaining. So um, I always enjoy the opportunity to. Get you riled up a little bit, and I think we 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 achieved that, didn't we? Yeah, I think that was pretty much overwhelming uh, feedback on the show, wasn't it? What that you got really angry? I got really angry. Yeah, and yeah. you enjoyed riling but, me up. But but for anyone who who knows Andy, I was unable to get him as angry as I potentially thought I would be able to. So I thought that was quite tame. What what did you think? Um, yeah, well, maybe I'm just a mellow man now. Well, I think that the book was nowhere near as bad as you actually initially <laughs> thought it was, and. You know, Chinese whispers, people trying to wind you up through text messages, etc., telling you stuff out of context. Would you? Would you say that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there that's, was why some... that's why I've not read it for five years. It's because you're too scared. No, I just too scared. Just didn't need it. Can't read very well either, can you? So um, you're waiting for your audio book. Read better than you. There's no <laughs> count with my fingers can. as well. Of course you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? What did you get in uh, GCSE maths? Well, that's a story for another day. Actually, you didn't do so. very well. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Moving on. Okay. So, uh, what have you been up to? Um, well, I went to... Um, you went to watch a wrestling show at the weekend, didn't you? Uh, did I? W- watch a wrestling show? I commentated on a wrestling show on Saturday night. That's a good show, right? Or was it Friday night? Saturday night. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, of course I enjoyed it. I always enjoy it. He's referring to High Stakes 2018. Oh, it's scary to think it's 2018. Uh, that was also the 19th professional wrestling show that I've promoted in New York Hall, Bethnal Green. Can Is you believe really? that? 19. 19. Really? Yeah. 19. Cool. Remember the first so, one. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was good. High Stakes 2018. Hell of a show, I thought. Um, headlined by Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. winning the Tag Team Championships from Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. In a in a great main event, one of the uh, I'd say one of the more memorable main events in uh, in Revolution Progress in history. W- would you agree? Disagree? Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm trying to I think. Like the enthusiasm. I, I love the uh, yeah. I love the, the the. It's almost gone partly viral, hasn't it? Where uh, Suzuki chops Trent Seven, and he takes the fall. Yeah, that was uh, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the bit I've seen over and over again. So. Um, yeah, I, d- I did thoroughly enjoy it. I was trying to think what my favourite match was, actually, from the evening. Um, I thought Rob Rob Lias and Curtis Chapman did a hell of a job in your rolling your eyes. That's good Why? For why would you be saying I'm rolling <laughs> my eyes? I'm actually not rolling my eyes. Andy's trying to get me uh, in trouble because uh, he thinks that Curtis prefers me to him. And we both see Curtis Chapman as our meal ticket out of this place. So yep. what what he's trying to do there is, is stir some dissension. Well, Curtis Chapman is going to mention me in his Hall of Fame speech before he mentions you. Mm, we'll see, won't we? Yeah. So I enjoyed that one. Uh, I enjoyed the ladies' match immensely, actually. And uh, and obviously, <clears throat> goes without saying, uh, it's not normally the type of wrestling I love, but I actually thought Will Ospreay versus Mark Andrews was probably the highlight of the night. It was uh yeah it was a highlight reel wasn't it it was uh it was so s- everything was so smoothly executed great great show top to bottom mm-hmm. um I nearly got in a fight at that show I was a security guard yeah 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 yeah, yeah was... you're always one of those aren't you oh I, I nearly got in a fight wow oh <laughs> <laughs> oh he's lucky I walked away <laughs> that's who that is <laughs> well you had to hold me back didn't you <laughs> ten minutes later. Um, for security, you'll call, I think they get a bit of an unfair shake. So people who, who don't know the story. So in August of 2016, um, which was uh, uh, maybe two and a half weeks before the Vader show, um, the, the Uprising 2016 show, um, literally two and a half weeks before that, there was a boxing show at York Hall, which resulted in people fighting out into the streets, um, 
they got kicked out and this was after the event and someone wound up getting murdered kind of round the corner, like across the road from York Hall. Um, and as a result of that, the venue was actually shut down for a couple of weeks. Um, and when I say a couple of weeks, it was only two and a half weeks before the show. My show was the second show um, since it reopened. Because um, there was half a threat that you weren't going to be able to do the not, show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which I don't think many people know. Um, we were searching for alternative venues for that show as if it wasn't complicated enough as it was. Um, we were searching for alternative venues and we didn't really know if we were going to be able to, to run the show at your call on that date. Um, and it was a, it was quite a stressful time. And, uh, as a result of your, when your, your call reopened, there were a lot of extra, um, conditions, uh, applied to the license. Um, even though, um, touch wood, there's never been any problems with wrestling. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's it's just down to every single event at the venue has to be run in a certain way now. Um, and I would never be one to, um, uh, you know, to me, the, the importance, the importance of um, the, uh, of the safety of everyone at the show is, is paramount. And I'd never want to scrimp on security. I'd never want to scrimp on health and safety, um, which is why I think it's very important that everyone's searched on the way in. Um, but obviously there's a lot of teething issues in, in implementing that because we were, like I say, we were like the first or second event um, after that incident. Um, so it took a long while to get everyone in. Um, there was just inexperience in, in kind of um, dealing with that venue in this certain way, um, which led to, to people taking a while to get in. And a few, it took a few shows, but we've um, wrinkled out all the creases, I believe, um, and and everything runs a lot, lot smoother now. Um, we've learned uh, to get more people on the front door at the start. We opened doors half an hour earlier, giving people an hour and a half to get in instead of an hour to get in the building. Um, and everything just generally, as a result of that, just moves a lot quicker. Um, Plus, our fans are becoming more educated in what they can and can't bring to the venue. So there's less stoppages for, you know, someone's got a big bottle in their bag. You know, there's less stoppages for stuff like that, um, etc. And that will, uh, and that obviously rolls through and helps. So I think sometimes security get a bit of an unfair shake. However, however... (laughs) sometimes uh, security can be militant and horrible and the security are there out there a separate firm um, who I hire in um, and uh, and I've got experience I used to run pubs um, and uh, used to run club nights as well um, so obviously I've got a, a very big experience with security guards I, I kind of know what makes them tick I know what some you know sometimes the way they they get provoked and the way they get wound up but I also know the way they can wind up other people and I also know that sometimes they're just on a power trip and this one particular security car uh, guy uh, Ed his name was let's name <laughs> and shame him Ed um, he uh, he was uh, the manager the, for the manager for the night um, and he obviously had a bit of a chip on his shoulder and wanted to let everyone know, know he was a boss. Now, Ed was in charge of a last York Hall show, security, um, at, uh, at York Hall. And uh, the last York Hall show, security at York Hall, obviously. Um, and, uh, and I was had these reports come back to me that Ed was going nuts during the main event saying this show's going to run over and you guys are going to, uh, you guys have only, because we pay them up front for the, the hours that, we use them for. So if we go over this time, all the security are going home and you're going to have to shut the show down. You're going to have to shut the show down now. And he's going around shouting at people, telling them that. And I get this reported back to me. Um, and then I go back to Ed at the end of the show. And I, was, I say to him, because obviously everything went fine and everyone was out by the time they needed to be out, etc. Um, and uh, I spoke to Ed after the show. Was everything okay with that, Ed? Oh, yeah, everything's fine, mate. Everything's great. Brilliant event. Brilliant. Nothing wrong. Right. So I'm like, are people exaggerating to me or is he just being um, power hungry in front of people who he doesn't know are in charge? Do you know what I mean? Is he just is he just trying to get that power kick and trying to boss people around? Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, fast forward to this show and he gets upset about a positioning of a table. Now, as I mentioned, we've had 19 wrestling shows at York Hall Bethnal Green um, with this table in this same position. This is not even during the show, though. This is, is before this the is show. Before the show. Yeah. Yeah. Before doors even open. Before doors have opened. Um, and this table just gets moved. So it gets moved back. No one said anything as to why it's been moved. It gets moved back. And then 
it gets moved again. And then we're just opening doors and someone says, oh, the security guys moved the table because it's blocking a fire exit. Which who's, the, who's the table for? It wasn't. It, it was for Suzuki right. and Zack Sabre Jr. But it was a merchandise table. So it was a merchandise it wasn't just table. Like a, yeah. yeah. So obviously I was like, okay, well, get him to speak to me. Didn't come to speak to me. Um, so I, I found him and I spoke to him and I just asked what, the, what happened. He was just like, oh, in the way of the fire exit, my license on the line. If anything happens, I'm the one getting in trouble, not you. He used some stronger language than that. And I said to him, um, okay, I, I appreciate this, but we have had that table there at all our previous shows. No, you haven't. Well, we have, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. You definitely didn't have it there last time. It was there last time. It was there the time before and the 18 times previously. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah. um, so <coughs> you know, he just couldn't get that in his head. So I said, can we compromise? And, and I believe that's the art of all negotiation, right? Compromise. Can we have the table there before the show and during the intermission and move it during the show? Nope. Nope. Not having it. Not having it. To which point I balled up my fist. And you punched him. No, I didn't. <laughs> I could feel myself wanting to, though, but I don't normally get upset about stuff like that. But, like, it really wound me up because I, my, my mentality was, so I was completely sober. I was just trying to run an event. I had a level head. I came to him. Why did you feel we need to clarify the fact you were sober? No, because you'll understand in a second. Yeah, I know. You'll understand oh. in a second. You, could, you can try and be horrible, but you're... <laughs> Sound like you've got a problem. <laughs> so, uh, um, so... Completely sober, level head, trying to run a venue, trying to compromise, to talk to the, the, the doorman like a human being, not a gorilla, okay? And uh, um, and I say that because obviously I, I just realised you looked at me then as I said gorilla. I don't mean anything. Ed's is a white man. <laughs> I don't mean anything in a racist sense of the way. I know everyone's super sensitive in 2018, but um, everyone looks at doorman as like, you know, animals, you know, um, which they're not. And that's sometimes why they get upset. So uh, he wasn't having any of it. So um, so I walked away from him um, and I said to him, I was like, what's your name, mate? And he was like, Ed. And I was like, well done, Ed. You just cost your company a lot of money and walked away. And I felt like a big man for doing that. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, why did I say that? But he's like, well, what else could I say? I don't know. Um, but the point I'm making... You had the last word, really. I did, so, yeah, yeah, I did, and I did have the last word. But the point I'm making is, um, these doormen, we, we entrust in, um, in looking after everyone, and we'd hope that if there was a conflict within the show, or if there was a conflict, um, you know, uh, anywhere, um, and someone needed to deal with something, we'd hope that the doorman did it in a nice way, you know. Um, and I know for a fact that if it was two drunk guys uh, trying to talk to him, they would have got wound up far quicker than I did, you know, and they probably would have swung punches and wound up getting beaten up, yeah. right? So that's my point, really. Like, he was just being a, a bit of a, a little Hitler, you know, like, there, there was absolutely no reason for him to, to act in the way he did. Um, there was no reason why he couldn't converse with me over the subject, and there was absolutely um, no reason for, for us not to come to some sort of compromise, um, to just shut your mind off and just say, nope, nope. No, it's just, to me, that's kind of ridiculous, you know. Um, so I had words uh, with But, the, but with you didn't let it ruin your company. evening. I didn't let it ruin my evening, but I did momentarily. I was properly, I, as you can tell from this 10-minute uh, this rant, um, I don't think it's been quite 10 minutes of ranting, but as you can tell, I was quite upset by the, the, by the situation. It wound me up enough to, well, I was proper angry. I'm sat so. here calmly listening and not winding you up further like you did to me last week. So <laughs> you're the bigger man. Yeah, what can I say? I am. What can I say? Um, but aside from that, aside from that, the show was really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, always a very special atmosphere in York Hall. Um, and, and it was delivered again at, at high stakes. RPWOnDemand.com if you want to watch the show. Unfortunately, there's no DVD extra of me versus Ed. So no? Oh, okay. No. Maybe we'll save that um, for the next show. But I can confirm Ed won't be coming back to York Hall. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, that was good, as long as you didn't let it ruin you. So, uh, what else have you been doing? Oh, I've had a terrible weekend. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. But not as bad as mine, but go on. Well, you say not as bad as yours, but I've got this television. All right, state of the art. Yep, there you go. So, you've already, you know, 
th- uh, what they say third world problem no first world well it problems. is a fir- no it's a first world problem it is but yeah. that's what that's what that's what live podcasts are all about Andy go on first world problems okay I could sit here and pretend I don't care about my nice TV but I do care about my nice TV <laughs> okay so what have you done to it and as everyone knows I had a hard upbringing so I can have nice things in my life now if I want oh, well all right done. I'll get the violins out go on okay yeah so I had a, uh, I've got a 55 inch, only 55 inches as well. It's not, oh. It could be bigger. Um, it's an OLED TV. Now, let me explain. So I went to, just before the Black Friday sales, I went into Curry's um, and because I decided I wanted a, a, a nice big TV. Um, and my old one was about six, seven years old at this point. So I've got to get a new TV. Um, but I was thinking, oh, I'll get one in the Black Friday sale, but let's just scout out the competition here in Curry's. So I'll go into Curry's. And this guy suddenly introduces me to OLED TVs. Have you ever heard of them? No. Okay, they're perfect. Okay, just great picture quality. Um, they're not done. Uh, that's so each each pixel's a dot, rather than rather than being a line, right? And this is kind of important to the story, okay. right? This is what this guy's telling me, right? And I'm just like, oh, it's brilliant. Give me ten, right? Um, so I'm like, is this likely to come up in the Black Friday sale? No, mate. Best to get it now. We're not going to do any sales on these TVs in the Black Friday. Okay. And then, like, something, I think it was my wife holding my hand, stopped me putting my hand in my pocket, stopped me purchasing this TV. Then I'd... See, this is how impressionable I am, (laughs) right? I've been listening to Richard Branson's uh, autobiography on Audible. um, And as a result, I was big on Virgin at the time, and someone from Virgin who provided my internet called me up and was like, hey, would you like to upgrade to Virgin TV? So I'm like, oh, how much is it going to cost? Basically, they said for an extra five for a month, I can get the Virgin TV basic package, and for 15 quid a month, I can get the Sky Sports package on top. So I was like, well, it's been a while since I was a weekly Raw and SmackDown viewer, and I love my football, so go on then, let's, uh, let's do that. Okay, so listening to that Richard Branson autobiography led to me then making another purchase. So I'm hoping that people listening to this podcast will lead to people purchasing our goods and wares, you know, um, which I'm sure we'll plug at the end. And anyway, I commit to having Virgin. It's coming in two days' time. I've not had Sky since I moved into this house. I had used to have Sky before, but like when I moved into this house, it was over the Christmas period. So I was like, shall I get Sky? I was like, well, I'll get it after the Christmas period. But I went four weeks without Sky before realising it was just a waste of money. So I didn't need it. So I didn't bother getting Sky, but you know, listening to that autobiography and only paying an extra £20 a month and getting everything I wanted seemed like a bit of a, a deal to me. So I go for it. And I swear, I'm, I'm sat there, I'm watching the Great British Bake Off. All of a sudden, a line comes down the TV. Well, the a bloody mid- line down the side of the TV. Okay. It's, the, it's a little line. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's I've winding me up. Before, yeah. That's winding me up can't hack it right then the next day i'm watching tv so with this line down but i'm still like i'm gonna get a new tv and is it, is it permanent or is it's it permanent and then the next day this line has quadrupled in size so now it's a big thick rectangle i can't even watch a tv anymore because you can't see what's going on on that side of a tv and my virgin tv's turning up tomorrow so what do i have to do panic get, get, buy oh right okay i have to panic buy an oled tv Right, so I buy an OLED TV. I get it from Argos. Next day delivery. Right, this story is going somewhere. Don't worry. I get an OLED TV. Next day delivery. This is two and a bit months ago. Get an OLED TV. It comes into my house. Pristine, perfect. You watch the HD channels. It's oh, it's something else, right? You watch um, you watch uh, on BBC iPlayer. They've got some uh, Planet Earth stuff, right? You can watch that, and um. And, and, and like an ultra 4K on this OLED TV, and it looks better than real life. Okay, right? it's 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 insane. I can imagine it looks right. Cool. Yeah, we're going watch it in a bit. If you we want. will. Yeah, yeah after the other <laughs> right. we're late for training. So, um, so anyway, absolutely wonderful. Then have a hard day at uh, your call, training the next day, um, and then on Monday, it's obviously. 24 hours before the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this full show. Because I find it hard to watch Raw and SmackDown these days, but that's another story for another day. But I'm like, I'm actually looking forward to this. I'm getting amped up, excited. I'm going to watch this full show, right? 
and I go to set the uh, just make sure it's on the old record because I wasn't sure if I'm going to watch live or record it. So I go to set the old record, and I go there, and uh, I press on on the TV. Nothing, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Two months old, and <laughs> nothing happens. Click. Red flashing light. Red flashing light. Red flashing light. Red flashing light goes still. Press it again. Nothing happens. I could not believe my luck. Right? So, most people say could not beat my luck when something good happens. Yeah, but I had terrible <laughs> luck. So I'm saying, like, I could not believe my bad, bad luck. luck. Yeah. So, what do I do? Start screaming and shouting, obviously. He's stomping my feet. But then um, I decide, right, I'm going to get in contact with uh, Argos here and see what we can do. So I message the uh, Argos people. So this is really a live podcast today, isn't it? So we should probably change our category to first world problems or something. Yeah, we'll look it up. But yeah. we'll get into wrestling in a little bit. Don't worry. But I'm, I, I, and this is loosely linked to wrestling anyway. So I get onto the Argos chat. I start chatting to someone. He's then like, let me put you through to a relevant person. He puts me through to the relevant person who's trying to sell me a TV. And I'm like, I'm not trying to buy a TV. My TV that you sold me is broken. They're like, oh, sorry, uh, I'm in this TV sales team. So I just type back, brilliant. And she's like, well, I can try and help you if you want. I was like, obviously, getting quite upset by this point. So I guess like my altercation with Ed coupled by my frustration with this TV. You took and out like, this poor girl I took it out on this, Well, no, this was on the chat. I didn't get, I wasn't even getting started yet. Okay. So then, uh, so then she's, she messaged me and says like, oh, you can, uh, you need to take it up with LG, uh, who is the maker of this TV. You need to take it up with them because, uh, because it's over 30 days old, barely, right? Because it's over 30 days old, you've got to take it up with LG. I don't know my consumer rights, but I'm just like, all right, let's take it up with LG. So I get on the old uh, phone to LG. She gives me the number. I'm like, I'd rather talk to someone. I don't want to no, know, I do get this you, yeah. typing stuff. Gives me a number. I get on the phone to someone from LG, right? This guy's like, have you turned it off and turned it back on again? <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> Did it do anything? No. Can you press your put your finger on the on switch for 30 seconds while it's unplugged. Yes. Now, while you're doing that, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Let's go through this rigmarole. Obviously, it's not working. All right, then. We'll book an engineer to come. And I'm like, okay, when will he come? Well, I'll call you within the next 48 hours. Already not good enough. We're cool. This is a this is a world where we get everything when we want with the MTV generation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. mad. Call cool, so, you in forty eight and yeah. and on top of that, this TV I'd purchased as a uh, same day delivery in the first place because I was that desperate not to have a broken TV in my living room. Because stuff like that, I know this sounds mental, right? But stuff like that, it gets me down. I'm like, oh, even though I might go a whole day without watching that TV, like I just, I, I just like I just like to know it's there, right? So I say to him. Uh, Okay, 48 hours, okay, and then how long will it take to fix? Well, they'll come to you uh, within 14 working days. 14 working yeah. days. Two weeks, right? So I, Working days? That's nearly and, oh, three, well, three weeks. Oh, three weeks, yeah. yeah. And I said to him, well, look, that's not good enough because, uh, you know, I need this TV. And I said, um, and I said, well, what? Ha and he's like, well, you know, they'll probably be able to fix it. So, you know, I was like, well, what if it doesn't fix? I'm like, well, we have up to three attempts to fix it before we offer you a replacement. Good God. And I was like, I was like, listen, I was like, this TV, I could, I said, I can understand. I said, I totally accept this if this TV was like two years old, right? But I replaced an old TV after seven plus years of service with this top of the range TV just over two months ago. And now you're telling me you can't have it fixed within 14 days. And if he can't fix it, he's got a further two attempts to fix it before you replace it. Can't you just take that back and I take a replacement? I'm afraid we don't do replacements unless it's after a third time. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, wow. What would you like me to do, sir? Shall I cancel the engineer? And I was like, what are you talking about? Cancel cancel the engineer. Why would I cancel the engineer? And he's like, well, you seemed uh, you seemed upset, sir. So I thought that having the engineer was upsetting you. So I, thought, and I was like, well, what will that achieve? If I don't have an engineer come and look at it, I won't get the TV fixed, will I? Right? And he's just like, well, you just seemed upset, sir. What would you like me to do about it? I was like, and I... I 
again, my fists were all clenched up and I was all angry. And I was like, are you some kind of sarcastic idiot? I was like, of course I want it fixed. Of course I'm going to be upset because my TV's broken. And of course I'm going to be upset because it's going to take up to two weeks to get someone to even come and look at it before realising they can't fix it and then having to send their mate out and then their mate out again before I can get another one. Of course I'm going to be upset about that. But if there's nothing else I can do about it, then what do you... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he was just like, oh, well... Sorry if I upset you. I, I sincerely didn't mean to upset you, like reading from a script. I was like, whatever, just book this guy in, right? Fuming at this point, right? Now, as you probably saw when you walked in my house, there's a TV sat. Yeah, TV's on. It's on, Yeah. right? Why is it on, Andy? Because an engineer came out with him one working day. Incorrect. Go on. Three words. You just went out and bought one. <laughs> yeah, I'm that rich. Yeah. No. Put it in the bin. No. Go on. Consumer rights laws. Oh, okay. So you looked them up, did you? No, the wife looked them up. Okay. She's good at being busy. Mm -hmm. She got on the old iPad, looked it up. Consumer rights laws, and presented me with a statement. And I was like, okay, I can work with this. All I needed was something to work with, and uh, and it said something like, uh, they should. They it says the consumer within the first uh, after the first thirty days, it's up to the consumer to send out an engineer. The consumer, not the actual manufacturer, to send out an engineer. Um, so obviously they'd kind of done that by palming me off on the manufacturer, right? But it said some key words in it, such as if they can't send, uh, it can't cause significant inconvenience to you, um, and it's got to be reasonable, something like that. So. I literally, straight on the blower to Argos this time, not making a mistake of typing to someone, and I was just like, explained the situation, and then I read out the consumer rights law to her, and I explained to her how I need that TV for my work. I did 25th anniversary of Raw. I need that TV for my work. Um, there, and as you can see from my original purchase, I purchased it same day delivery because my previous TV of seven plus years had broken and I needed a TV on the same day for my work. Therefore, by telling me it's going to take 14 days for an engineer just to come out, that was causing me significant inconvenience, therefore breaking consumer rights laws. So Argos arranged. Another TV. That TV was picked up the following morning. Yep. Following afternoon, new TV delivered. Oh, wow. So God bless you, Argos. Well God done. bless you, consumer laws. I kind of feel bad. God bless I, you, Hayley Quills. I kind of feel a bit bad for Argos. Why? Well, because LG just sort of were just so dismissive about it. You kind of like had to go back to what I appreciate what the laws are, but. You return you, stuff to Argos all the time. So what are you. Uh, but I just feel you're like. Well, no, all I'm uh, saying is poor that. Poor old Argos. No, they got the brunt of it. The, 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 the TV will still be fixed by LG. But just on Argos's time, not mine. Sold at a boot sale or something. <laughs> but like, you know, at the end of the day, I've got my TV. You're happy. I've given I've given Argos a little plug on the uh, on the podcast. So if you want stuff done, you want stuff getting done. Talk to, Argos. talk to Argos. Talk to Argos Customer Services. We know somebody who works at Argos Customer Services, don't we? We do, actually, yeah. And, and knowing who he is, it's almost unbelievable that Argos Customer Services <laughs> dealt with my, my query in such a respectable, reasonable, quick, and, and wonderful manner. So thank you, Argos. Well done, Argos. So how did you enjoy uh, the 25th anniversary? Um, I actually enjoyed it on a small TV because my big TV hadn't turned up at this point. Oh, okay. So what, on your iPhone or something? <laughs> No, no, I've got a, uh, like, a, the TV we use for the, um, you know, when we do the live edits. Yes. Uh, I've got the TV for that, so I use that. Okay. So, uh, it was like putting an iPad on my, uh, <laughs> on my yeah. table, or in my living room. Uh, but it highlighted the blinds nicely. So, That's nice. Um, they're also done by someone we know. Carter's Blinds. If yeah. Anyone's, if, anyone's in the, if anyone's in the game for some blinds in the Hampshire region, check out Carter's Blinds. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Raw 25th anniversary. Now, mixed reviews from me, Andy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, I, the first segment was so good with Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the rattlesnake himself, who, when he came out, I imagine about 30% of the people at our wrestling school didn't even know who he was. Probably not. No. I don't think that's even an exaggeration. I'd probably underestimate if anything, isn't it? <laughs> probably, yeah. Like a, yeah. oh, he was that man who was on the uh, celebrity something. Well, what did that uh, one time. what did Mike Tyson call Steve? Cold Stone. Like, <laughs> yeah. That'd be like yeah. them a lot. Cold Stone Steve. What? Or yeah. more like Cold Stone Steve. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought that segment was tremendous. Huge smile on my face. Um, aside from that, though, I wasn't really that into it. Like, I thought, like, there was a lot of eyeballs on the product, right? I did enjoy... Uh, I would have hated to be in the crowd at either of those shows because, obviously, they split the crowd, didn't they? Two locations. Yeah, and the whole show, um, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the Manhattan Centre... He got three matches on the show, two of which were uh, like cruiserweight matches, which happened during a commercial break. Didn't actually air on Raw. Yeah, and then essentially won a little squash match at the end. Yeah. But you, uh, you could argue that, with, apart from Steve Austin, obviously, off the top of my head, that Manhattan Center got the more star-studded show. Uh, DX, you know, the guys they now call the Balor Club, uh, The Undertaker. So yeah, the Undertaker uh, looked really angry, didn't he, at the end of his... Well, the, the, the reason why I bring that up is because uh, I saw on my Facebook timeline today a video of all the fans going, we, we want refunds, yeah. and everyone's going berserk about <laughs> it. So it's kind of like WWE kind of knew that was going to happen, so we'll throw all the majority of Do you know what I'd like to think? I'd like to, I'd, like to think that, I'd like to think that DX were actually in the Barclays Centre, and they're like, oh, God, quick, stick, quick, him, quick. stick him in the car, quick. Maybe. <laughs> no, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, it was a good fun show, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, but I think it was a missed opportunity myself. So, without playing fancy booker for too long, what would you have preferred off the top of your head? Um, I would have. There's was, there was certain guys like Jeff Hardy as an example. I think he's a big name. He's obviously been out injured for a long while. To have him come back, sat at a table. But I think he is still injured, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like to to have his return on TV to be him sat. Playing like cards, yeah. do you know what I mean? I just thought, yeah. like, he didn't need so to be in that. Well he didn't need to be in that segment, did he? No. Um, I just feel like there could have been, especially if there's going to be some legends in the um, women's legends in the, um, you know, in the Rumble on Sunday. I think they could have made better use of some of the women's legends rather than just come out and have a wave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was nice, but um, yeah, I guess you don't really know to you've done it, but like, just to literally be there to come out and wave, I just yeah. always feel a bit awkward about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, it just in general, would have tried to probably had less legends and more, um, and, and and use them in a way I'd probably have them do. You know, like they do the sit down pieces where they're like, "Oh, this is my favourite Raw moment." I would have just sent, got them to record something, okay. being like, "Oh, this is my favourite Raw memory," and just show a little video clip, you yeah. know, and just have those okay. dispersed throughout the evening. And then I would have used it to try and sell the Raw Rumble because obviously you're gonna have a lot of eyeballs on this product, right? So I would have tried to try to sell the Royal Rumble and put a couple of hot angles in there for stuff for the future alongside, you know, the nostalgia. Yeah, I can um, remember when they did the 1,000th episode, um, The they did a big heel turn, right? With CM Punk turned the heel on the rock. Yeah, exactly. Kind of real plow forward. But this, off the top of my head, I don't actually really remember them doing anything significant. They did the... They they built to the pay per view obviously with Brock Kane and uh, Braun Strowman, but there wasn't anything particularly memorable about it. Yeah, like, to, exactly. To, to look back on in five years' time and go, oh, do you remember that twenty fifth anniversary? That when was Kane and Braun went face to face. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. It has. Like, don't worry about it. So, there wasn't really anything to me, that grabbed us. And I don't want to sound like a cynical wrestling fan, because I'm not. I'm genuinely a wrestling fan that loves professional wrestling. And when something's good, I love it. And when something's not, I don't. And I'm not also a blind, loyal WWE fan who's going to be like, that was amazing, guys. You know, some of it was good. A lot of it, like the DX stuff was nice. But nothing really, aside from that opening segment, really put that huge big grin on my face but overall like i say it was a, it was a nice show but i feel like it was a bit of a wasted opportunity what, what do you say um yeah i guess so like what it actually said to me was the opening bit was so good uh i kind of thought oh wouldn't it be really good if austin McMahon started feuding again like for real uh you know on tv every week that was my uh takeaway from uh from the whole show well that's uh, that's valuable um, well what else if, what else do you need that. Well, you can't do the same thing every week. It was good in the sense of like it hadn't been done in a long while and it was nostalgia. You can't ride on nostalgia forever. It was a joke, Andy. Well, no, I'm sure you genuinely were like, oh, I'd like to see that every week. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I watch it every week. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, I tell could, you. We what? can all harp on about, uh, you know, how good it was. So, back in the day. It was. Better back in the day, wasn't it? Do you know what also strikes me? There's a lot of memories over Raw, but like, I remember Raw when it started to be not so good, right? And I look back on the network now, 
And I'm like, wow, that was well good. Yeah, I can. So I was a big, um, like, what, the 2000s? Yeah. I was a big forum lurker. Like, I was I never a poster, were. but I was a lurker and I a bet reader. You were. And every week people would say, it's not as good as it was in two years ago. So what would have been 1998? Not as good as, not as good, not as good. But then if you compare what they're doing now to then, yeah, it's and, like night and day. Isn't and it? also, if you watch back like the 2000 draws, um, if you watch those back, um, that I think they actually hold up better than the 98, 99 roars, which had a lot of shock moments, um, but they also had a lot of bad wrestling. And I think the, the latter ones had some better wrestling. And I think that they were actually, you could, they, they stand the test of time better than the previous ones, which don't get me wrong. The previous ones for their time were absolutely spot on, you know, um, but there's just a lot of stuff that they did that you can't do anymore. And the one example I'd like to give, and this is, I can't remember what year this would be, but I guess this is when they started to go a bit more PG, but right to censor, right? Yeah. In 2018, there'd be baby faces. Yeah, I saw a funny tweet about that once. Yeah, really? The right two cents, there'd be baby faces, yeah. They would be, though, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. They would. Everyone would be like, oh, you're so brilliant, standing up for what's right. Standing up for the vulgarity, yeah. 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 So, so there you go. But um, lots, of, lots, of, um, lots of old guests invited back to, to Monday Night Raw. Um, but I do know one person who wasn't invited back to Monday Night Raw who did appear on Monday Night Raw. Uh, who are you referring to, Andy? Who didn't get their their invite? Oh, Lita. <laughs> yes, I read that too. She was fuming. Yeah, but she made the chair. She made the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually do know someone who didn't make the chair or get the invite for a return. Go on. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Can't be saying them things. <laughs> no, no. But but Hulk Hogan's actually reconciled with my race. Has he? So there's a picture to prove it of me and him together oh, of course. in Orlando. Yeah, you you so. met him, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. He said, sorry, brother. And I said, <laughs> on behalf of all my people, <laughs> it's all good, brother. That's cool. That's good um, of you, man. So, Rise above it. So, yeah. Um, it would be lovely to have him back, though, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I thought, yeah, if there's going to be a time, it would be then. But nevertheless, it wasn't. So. Um, but there was also someone else, wasn't there, Ant? There was, it was me. It was you? Yeah. It was, I was you. not raw, invited. Raw alumni, mm. Andy Boy Simmons. Yeah, yeah, I was not invited. Uh, I did a funny tweet about it. Well, I say funny. Um, I did it to try and be funny. I said I'm still sat by the phone anxiously <laughs> awaiting my uh, my invite. You did it actually half hoping that someone would see it and they'd be like, oh, we did forget oh, to... Oh, I hashtagged the right <laughs> things, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... Um, Hashtag Raw25, hashtag WWE Universe. Yeah, at, at Vince McMahon, you know, every, any, no, not really. But, and you uh, were with at Vince McMahon in your your appearance on Raw, weren't you? I certainly was, yeah, so um, I don't know, we could talk about that maybe. Well, we can, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should probably talk about some wrestling series. We've, we've <laughs> yeah, spoken, we a, lot, we've spoken <laughs> a lot about. It might be a follow, a nice follow-up to, yeah. uh, to us. Maybe, maybe the title of this episode could be, I promise you we will get to the wrestling eventually. Yeah. And we do, because here we are. Mm. So let's talk about that then. Let's talk, okay. about, let's talk about Andy Boy Simmons on Monday Night Raw. Okay. So uh, actually, Andy, all I've, got, I've got actually you to thank for it, don't I, in a, in a very roundabout way. Oh, there we go again. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a funny story, actually. Not but everyone should listen to it, though, because I think a recurring theme of his podcast is I am actually a very nice person. I help a lot of people and yeah, where I can. Well, we discussed it on a, on a previous podcast, didn't we, Andy, where you know, you'd never took, took payoffs for anything. You just were gracious enough to put people forward. Yeah, and we also said, um, be nice to me, and you corrected me. I remember this. You corrected me and said, well, just be nice to everyone. But no, nah, be nice to me. Be nice to you. I like, I like it when people are nice to me yeah, anyway. We'll pat you on the so, back. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I like gifts without an Amazon wish list. <laughs> so anyway, feel uh, free to hit me up. Okay, so, um, well, should we go how it all started? Go on then. Yeah. It's your story. You, you well, yeah, story. yeah, but you, you're the host. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, so I'd um, I'd done some some I guess you'd call them enhancement matches for WWE about, Jobber about eighteen months before enhancement inside terms on our podcast <laughs> Jobber Enhal- enhancement talent or extra talent as they were referred to then I so that was almost like that. a um, so it call, calling it enhancement and extra talent was almost like a trying to be politically correct even in those days wasn't it yeah and that was in two thousand six so yeah. not really that far removed from. You know, the attitude error, you know, in timeline, you know, in the amount of years. So, um, 
yeah, where they were still using the word like jobbers very, very rarely, but sometimes they'd even mention that word on TV. So yeah. uh, The job squad. The job you could have been in that. Oh, yeah, I could have been, yeah. Um, so so I'd, uh, in 2006, I'd done two, two enhancement matches for WWE at Wembley Arena. And I was trying desperately to uh, just get someone to reply to my emails because I'd had nothing but positive feedback from the matches I'd done. Um, so, uh, so, so, I, so I was trying so hard to get a response from anyone. And, uh, and Colt Cabana was signed at the time, who I was friendly with on the British scene. Uh, Paul Birchall, who I was signed at the time, who was I'd sort of met on his first day of wrestling school. So we were buddies for a few years. Uh, that's that's going to be a hell of an episode, the Paul Birchall story. So, um, so I was talking to, through correspondence with Colt Cabana, uh, he said, oh, don't worry, leave, you know, I'll talk to someone, try and get you a tryout. And the thing is as well, though, you never really know if someone is going to give you, like, you know, so you can speak to me and I can be like, yeah, I'll pass that message on, but you don't know if I will. And especially in, in retrospect, I'm sure they did pass the messages on, but what I'm saying is Paul Birchall and Colt Cabana, in terms of pecking order, weren't necessarily in a position, well, Paul Birchall was actually, wasn't he? But Well, Paul um, Birchall was very good friends with a man called Mike Bucci, who was Simon Dean, and he was head of talent relations at the time, or maybe second in command or something. And he was in charge of booking the extra talent. So, uh, so, so I'd. Um, so anyway, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. And then, uh, of course, anyway, I broke my ankle uh, about three or four. I don't months. think you've ever mentioned that. No, maybe not on the podcast. Oh, you, I don't think you have on the podcast, but you do mention it on a regular basis. But so maybe we can talk about your downward spiral from your broken ankle from at some that. point as well. So, uh, so, so April two thousand six, I did these enhancement matches for WWE. Uh, three or four months later, I ended up breaking my ankle. So I was obviously out of commission for about three or four months. And uh, just to um, get in the, uh, trying to get back in the ring, trying to get some get some uh, ring time, I did a couple of little shows for a man called P.T. Staniforth, who might be pretty unfamiliar. We have mentioned him a couple of times, at least once anyway on the podcast. He's notorious, isn't he? Yeah. So if you know him, you you know a lot. Of, do you know what I mean? Like A lot of people probably haven't, don't know who he is, but those who do know who he is know an awful lot about him. So uh, he used to run these little shows, and they they were okay. Attended some were terrible, some were okay. But anyway, on this uh, on this show, these two Americans were there. They might have been Canadians actually, but really really nice fellas. And uh, they were telling me how are oh, we in October? I'll do the I'll do the accent show. I'll do the voice. Yeah, uh, in, in October, we you know we got tryouts with WWE, and that put my nose out a little bit because that was two spots that could have been reserved for two English guys. You know, considering they only come to England twice yeah, so a year. You hated them, didn't you? No, not, not really. I was just kind of like... It's, so it's a bit like the time when uh, one of the other... A couple of years after this, so in 2009, 2010 period, um, one, of the, uh, you know, one of the more old school wrestlers was kind of in charge of booking guys for tryouts and extra talent. And he'd take a couple of his friends along from the same era and they'd basically sit there and go, I'm here for the catering. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, well, you that gets back to me, who's not gone for another tryout. You know, that gets back to all the other guys who haven't had tryouts and they're sat there having yeah, a good old right. laugh about yeah. it. Like you're, yeah. And getting paid for it. Yeah, you know? you're, you're standing in the way of someone else's dream. Like, if you're not interested, then yeah, what's just, the point? You know, what's right. the point? Just what, let what someone else do waste. it. Yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, the, these, these two Canadians... But do you know what's ironic about that, though? Just quickly. Those people who are, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm just here for the catering. They probably would have bitten someone's arm off to to have signed with WWE, but they probably in their heads were like, oh, we can't be shown to seem to actually be wanting to go there. And we don't want to put ourselves on the line in terms of someone, for someone to say, you're not good enough to go there. Right. You know so it's I mean? a bit like what we so talked about in the, the early rejection. episodes, isn't it? Like, you know, that, that generation of wrestler who, who were still around in the world of sport era days, they wouldn't dare suggest that they even wanted yeah, right. to go Absolutely. wrestle for WWE, yeah. which is absurd, yeah. you know, but... But anyway, the, uh, the, you know, we're jumping all over the place. So, so these Canadian guys were, were there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I was rude to them at all. But I, I wasn't particularly friendly to them at all. I was just like, oh. You were oh. definitely rude to them. I'm trying to rebuild my image here. Oh, sorry. So, um, so, so I couldn't have been that rude to them. Because then... Because uh, they were oblivious to it. Because they were stupid. <laughs> six weeks later. <laughs> six weeks later. Because um, uh, Greg Burridge had a tryout. Um, a couple of other guys, Sam Slam, had a tryout. We kind of knew they were getting tryouts. Remember when he used to beat up all Sam Slam? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, probably still does. Um, so anyway, he. Uh, so the guys knew these guys were on the list for a tryout that day, and uh, and I was a bit bummed. Not not because they were going, because I wasn't. So um, and then we had a we had a show in. Um, 
Doncaster, I believe, on the Saturday night. And then on a Sunday, I was in a car, I believe, with um, James Ty and Berry. What's his real name? Sam. Sam. Sam Gardner, I believe. Why I bl- is his name Berry? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, so, he, um, so he was driving. And I get a text message from you in the early hours. Must have been fairly early. Before midday, I'm sure. So this is a Sunday night. WWE are taping in October. Um, the on the day. Monday, the next yeah. day, from you. And I open this text message. This is before the days when it, um, you know, you essentially got a message up on your screen, wasn't it? So, uh, and the message said, as far as I can remember, can you remember what it said? Did it say you're going to WWE, mate, or something like that? Something like, I think it said, don't worry, you're going to WWE oh, tomorrow. Yeah. I think it was, don't worry. Because yeah. obviously I talked to you about it. Because you were all stressed, up, stressed out about it, like yeah. all angry. Like... I wasn't angry. I was, well, you're an angry I man. Wanted it, I, I just we, wanted uh... it to... Uh, I just I wanted it. Do you know what I, mean? I wasn't scared to tell people I wanted it too. That was I kind of think that I might be one of the first of our gen- this generation to come through and say, "No, I'd love wrestling in England, but this isn't what I want to, you know, I want to get to WWE." So uh so you said, "Don't worry." And um and then maybe I called you. I was like, "What do you mean?" Because oh, the two Canadian lads, American. Who, I they're don't know Canadian. They are they? I don't know. They're uh the, the the two Canadian lads have have asked for two guys to go up Tomorrow or Monday. All the truth comes out. Two guys to come up. What? So, I then turned to my friend James Ty, because we were the tag team, the Iron Lions at the time. We just wrestled for 1PW the night before. And... Uh, just won your match. So, on a roll. No, we'd lost. We oh, lost. Well, That's when we why. lost a loser, loser wears a dress match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to Tracy Smothers and Chris Hamrick. So, I turned to James. I said, James, I've got us a WWE... Or Andy has got us a WWE tryout tomorrow. And we're all excited, and I don't think we high-fived or anything, but like we were quite excited about it. And then I think about five minutes later, <laughs> five minutes later, you text me again saying, oh, actually, they only need one guy. Yeah. And selfishly, but I think James would have done the same thing to me, and I just turned around and I said, sorry, James, they only need one now. And he took it surprisingly well. Um, well, inside, he did retire shortly after. Yeah, but not... Permanently, did he? Because of course he's wrestling this Saturday. But we'll get into that before we before we he come is, off. But I don't know if he if he listens to his podcast before, he might be like, oh. <laughs> I don't think he listens. Uh, so so that was that. Uh, I married up with Burridge, Greg Burridge, who was on the show the same day up for, for in Kent, and um, he stayed at mine that night. We drove up to Birmingham that day, and uh, who was I greeted by? I'm trying to remember. I get these a bit muddled up now. I don't know. Um, it's your story. I know. Tell I'm your story. To and you were greeted by the first person we saw, Shawn Michaels. Oh, which, that's not which, too was, bad. which wasn't a bad choice, was it? Yeah. That wasn't a bad go-to. So that's, um, that's really good. I'd never forget that story. No, I can't believe that temporarily slipped my mind. So, um, so I can remember seeing a couple. They saw the Canadian fellas. So, what did Shawn Michaels say to you when you turned up? It, do you know what? it was all a bit of a blur. I had actually met him eighteen months prior, but I'm uh, sure he remembered that. Meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. So, uh, so anyway, uh, I can remember him talking to us though, and sort of wishing us luck. You know, saying, "Oh, you guys are the British guys who are here for tryouts and stuff." So uh, lucky you met Shawn Michaels that year, rather than a few, like, rather than like the 1997 Shawn. Michaels. Oh, he could have been really nasty, yeah. couldn't he? Yeah. yeah. So he was lovely, actually, and uh, so we all got so we all got sent to um, get changed. Uh, Where did you get changed? Underneath the seats. So the bleacher chairs, which are obviously thousands of seats high, we literally got thrown into a cupboard, had no lights, and I actually lost a piece of ring gear under there. Oh, really? A a black singlet that I was starting to wear at the time. And I remember we joked afterwards that next week Triple H is going to be wearing the singlet. That would be funny, wouldn't it? (laughs) So so, so anyway, we had no light. um, So Greg Burridge was there, Sam Slam was there, the two Canadian fellas were there. Um, and and a few others. So uh, Jamie Noble was in charge of essentially watching us all work out in the ring, and we spent an hour, hour and a half, uh, constantly tagging in and out. It's like a four on four, whatever the numbers were. Just like the start of one of our training sessions, really. At the, it the is really. Yeah. That's probably where I got the idea from. Was uh, but it's good practice, you know, and and it really does give give us a chance as the as the trainers at the school to to. See, see how guys are, are progressing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think people. Some people don't take it. Uh, don't want to deviate at all, really. But like some people don't take advantage of that fact, um, and they just go through the motions when they tag in and out, and think that's part of the. Uh, yeah, it's just, always like just oh. a, you know, like yeah, we're not doing it for because our we want benefit. to. Yeah, essentially that process of uh, of tagging in and out is a it's a dry run, really, isn't it? For for what you're going to do in front of the cameras. Yeah. So uh, 
So uh, an, an old school wrestler called Danny Boy Collins, he said to me... That's where you got your boy from, isn't it? Boy? It, that's, yeah, and that's an interesting story because everyone assumes it's the bulldog, but obviously it partly is. Other, and this other guy, Danny Collins, is really an incredible wrestler. You should look him up. Like He'd even stand up today. Like, I don't know how many times he's retired, but I still think... He, or the Danny Collins of five years ago would still hold up to that. I don't know what he's doing now. So, uh, so Danny Collins once said to me, the way you can tell if someone can work or not by the way they walk... And I've always really stuck to that theory, actually, especially with guys at the school. So, uh, so anyway, we're tagging in and out for ages, and then we, we well, eventually that kind of gets called off. And uh, and Jamie, no, sorry, Jamie Noble, Jamie Noble was was taking the trial, and Dean Malenko was there. That's right. And Dean Malenko came over and he said, uh, "Listen, we've got this angle tonight with Vince McMahon, and we're going to use one of the guys for um for the spot. You know, you're going to work. I can't remember if he even told us it was with Umaga." But he said it was uh, with Vince, certainly said it was with Vince. And I think everyone sat there and go, well, you know, you look around, there's 10, 12, 15 guys there in total. And you're like, well, it ain't going to be me. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's going around, it's not going to be me, it's not going to be me. And uh, Are you or are you thinking, I hope it's me? No, I think so. But it's almost, you know, like, it's the luck. Obviously, this would be the good luck, kind of going back to what we were laughing about earlier. But, you know, the likelihood of getting struck by lightning is, what, 8 million, billion to one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's but when there's like six people stood there, yeah, surely I know, you're like... Yeah, I know, but you, I'd, I'd learned to live with uh, disappointment. So I was, just, <laughs> I was just assuming it wasn't going to be me. So anyway, I get, I actually get pulled to, pulled to one side by Dean Malenko. You think, you think you're going to get kicked out, do you? I think I'm going to get kicked out or they're going to sign me up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Dean Malenko approaches me and he says, oh, listen, uh, this, this angle we've got with Vince McMahon tonight... Um, we think we're going to use you. And I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. And he said this politely, he really did, although it's kind of funny. He said, uh, yeah, you're the smallest guy here and we really like your tights. So I was like... <laughs> but that's the importance of always having good ring gear, isn't right, it? Right, exactly. I was wearing bright... It was like a British Bulldog kind of knockoff, bright red with a Union Jack with a fist ploughing through the middle. It was the Iron Lions tag team gear. So... Um, cool, you and James would have had a fight if he was there as well. Oh, that's you? true, yeah, right. But he got to do the bit with Macho Man, if you remember, so maybe yeah, they so let me One all, you're yeah, one all. <laughs> one all. So, uh, so, so that was that, really. Um, we, 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 you know, quote-unquote, rehearsed it a number of what? times. I know, I know. I pained me to even say that, actually. You're definitely not getting a job now. <laughs> so, um, so when you say you rehearsed it, did you... So for those of you who don't know the... The, the thing. What what episode is it on? When, when can Ooh, we watch it? Uh, it's on the network. committed to memory. No, I haven't actually. It's on the WWE Network. Um, I believe it was October 19th or October 17th, 2007. And um, let me try and find it. Let, do, I'll, I'll so, give it out. I'll give it out. At the just end, just, just the search end. Andy Simmons on the, the WWE Network. Does yeah, that, that come that, up? Yeah, it does. It? it does on some devices. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it really does. So, um, so anyway, uh, we, we we worked the angle. I worked the uh, first match was a. Um, I'll, tell, I'll I'll run through the whole thing, sorry, the whole process. So, so it was my cue. I'm sent to the ring. There's what ten thousand people in attendance on WWE Raw. It was taped live, so uh, it was maybe. Like, was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, like, it was nine ten o'clock in yeah. our time uh, to be shown later on it was actually earlier than that was it yeah okay because i remember you called me like you called me after you'd done it when you were sat in the car park and i'd just been at chicago at the cliff pavilion i remember these little oh, details really? so like, oh, okay. yeah i've just been to see chicago at cliff pavilion and you called me as i was leaving chicago yeah and that's after you was, you were sat in the car park i was going home or going home yeah okay so uh so so, so i'm sent to the ring and uh, i'm waiting for you know Vince McMahon's music to start blaring and instead a Timberland music video pl- you know plows on on the Titan Tron <laughs> I remember looking at this thing because it had WWE Divas in it as far as I can remember um, so uh, so I'm stood in the ring like a absolute yeah, I felt a bit silly I was just stood there and and I was amazed. I mean, again, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, there was a small smattering of, uh, do, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, Auntie uh, boy. Auntie there was 10,000 people calling my name. So uh, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Did you turn around and give them the fist? I think I might have given someone a thumbs up, actually. Yeah. So, um, and so that anyway. could cost you your job. That's, maybe. Maybe that's why I'm sat here with you doing this. Uh, so anyway, uh, Vince's music eventually came on. So was this during a commercial break? The, or was it? I guess they were taping a commercial. And how did you works. feel when you were walking out to the ring? Um, I remember being actually really confident because I remember yeah, thinking, cocky, like, weren't you?" I remember yeah. thinking, "I can do this. Yeah. This is easy. I'm just going to get my head kicked in, take a few bump, a lot of bumps actually." And um, 
and I knew I was going to do well enough to them to be like, you did awesome, you know. As they say now, smashed it, <laughs> killed it, whatever they say nowadays. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, yeah, I went to the ring. I, uh, I did a little bit of improv with Vince McMahon, which was pretty cool. Uh, if you watch it, you'll, you'll probably know what I'm referring to. Uh, not improv comedy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, just a bit of acting improv. And uh, and then he brought out Umaga. Umaga then battered me in a street fight. So had you fight. met Vince McMahon prior to this? Or yes. Just... Yes. So I'd obviously already met him in uh, discussions as to what was going to happen. And, um, and and how did he talk to you? Did he talk down to you? Did no, he, not uh... at all, actually. He, he couldn't have been uh, any nicer. There was one idea, which obviously I'm just there as the, as the bump boy. And... I was a little bit like, oh, okay. And his exact words are, what do you want to do? Kill the boy? So I was like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, he obviously does care, at least about me, (laughs) (laughs) for two minutes. So uh, I was was quite grateful for that. Um, Stuck up for you. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. And they weren't going to sort of argue with the boss, were they? So so I took my beating in a street fight. I then... um, Took my beating... Lost that match. Lost that one. Took my beating in a first blood match. Lost that match. Yeah. And you could probably see where we're going with this one is I lost, uh, I took my beating in a cage match. I'd hope they were building you up for a roll up. One, <laughs> yeah. two, three. Let's yeah. recreate the one, the, two, three the, kids. The, the amount of people that said to me, um, oh, could you imagine if you just got off the floor and run out the, <laughs> run out the ring? And I was like, yeah, I can imagine I'd get my head kicked in in the change rooms and just ruin any potential. Uh, you know, I mean, can I know. tell this story now? Go right. on. So there's a wrestler called Tiny Iron. You know him? Yeah, of course. Massive. Let me Google him if you've never met him before. He had his first match against me. And like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I used to room with him sometimes when, during the latter days of NWE when they were like, oh, we can't afford like Rikishi anymore. So let's get the man with the muscles. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, I was on that. He was quite course, the side. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And let's get Andy Simmons as well. He was on Raw once. We can <laughs> put that on them. <laughs> um, so like, uh, and, and Tiny, he always used to say to me, he's like, you know what, Andy? All I just keep thinking is I just go to Raw and I sit there and I just jump the barricades. No one's going to stop me and I'm going to be there for long enough. They're going to see me and know who I am. They're going to want to sign me, aren't they, bruv? And you said, yeah, go on. (laughs) That'd be a great (laughs) idea. Great idea. Um, No, I actually said, uh, I don't really think it works like that, mate. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? People kind of think that. But yeah, I'm talking like 10 plus people, separate conversations. They would say to me, did you ever think about getting up and running out of the cage? No. <laughs> no, A, because I was battered, and B, I just wanted to lay there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we got, we, we, I, got, I got help backstage, and, um, and it was all, you know, you did fantastic. Thank you so much for... Didn't you get a little bonus ski on your old uh, pay packet? Yeah, but that kind of just went on expenses, Andrew. So... Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, no, they did say to me, so uh, everyone got a flat fee of £150, and... Uh, and they said to me, oh, because you're working TV tonight, we're going to pay you £500. Which is the most I've ever been paid the rest of my life. Which was, uh, I was very grateful for. Congratulations. 500 quid in £20 Scottish notes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. They didn't have Tesco machines in those days, did they? So you no. had to, probably had to have that awkward conversation with the, the person at the counter. Like, at the bank, yeah. 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 No, no, the bank's all right. It's when you go to like, if you go to like a shop with a, a Scottish note. Yeah. I swear, when you go to Scotland as well, um, Scottish people deliberately give you English people Scottish notes. Yeah, yeah. I've, I never, swear. I've never been to Scotland. Never oh, been. Oh, really? No, I've never oh, been. If you listen to anyone if in Scotland, wrestling promoters in Scotland, make this young man's dreams <laughs> come true. Well, it, it, we were in negotiations a couple of times, but it just, it just, just fell, fell apart. Through, they yeah. fell apart. Negotiations yeah. often do fall apart. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you've had the match. You go backstage. Yeah, I had the match. And I can remember even in 2007, this isn't really that surprising, I don't think, but I can remember Triple H almost being like, Vince was obviously there uh, running the ship, but he was very much sort of overseeing. The, almost like under under Vince's wing or second yeah, in command. Yeah, what, what do you say in theatre when you're on... Directing? You're like the re- no, you're like the replacement of... Oh, the understudy. Understudy. Do you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I don't know if that is the right terminology, but I mean, like he was very much like, oh, I can imagine if you didn't go to Vince, you go to Triple H. Yeah. And I remember he, he approached me and said, I did absolutely fantastic. And uh, thank you so much for everything you've done tonight. I was actually very grateful. Uh, Umaga even said to me, um, don't be surprised if they sign you off the back of this. Because right around that time, they were signing a lot, a lot of indie guys. And uh, do you remember, Andy, the angle with, um, they did like Roseanne versus Donald Trump. And it was, it was right around the time WrestleMania 23. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Donald Trump was actually a steel who was the chap who trained Colt Cabana and CM yeah. Punk. And they signed him. 
just off the back of that. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know if it was off the back of that, but like the timing was like, oh, he's come and done this. Let's sign him up and see how he gets on in yeah. developmental. So, um, so I was really actually very, very uh, excited, hopeful. I really thought, oh, maybe in a couple of weeks, my life is about to change. Um, and even um, a friend of mine called John Farrer, who some of you might know, who ran the GWF show. For One of our friends, Steve Linsky, knows him very well, doesn't yes, he? Yeah. yeah. He will have to come on and explain that I story. I know. So, uh, so, so John Farrer uh, tried to run a show 14, 15 years ago, and it was a, it was a complete disaster because of one particular man. And uh, well, there's a couple of like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, songs, that's isn't true. There? Yeah. That's true. So, uh, but John had moved to Florida, and he was kind of in the wrestling circles through working with magazines and stuff. And he knew this this writer, and John sent me an email. So this was October, maybe a week or so, two weeks later, and he said, uh, "Listen, I've just spoken to such and such off the writing team from WWE. You'll be in developmental by Christmas." was what the exact email said. And um, and what happened? I just never got that call. It just didn't happen. Like, I wish there was like a big punchline to it or a big like, I turned them down or, you know. So you don't know, so they could have been a clerical error? Yeah. They, they might they could have, have had tried, a contact. Or they could have tried to phone you and didn't get through. Well, there, I missed two or, missed calls off private numbers, but that might have just been pure coincidence. Really? Like, wow. Can, Imagine that if they tried mm. to call you twice and they're just like, ah, ah forget it. We'll just get Colin Delaney. Yeah, that's so. it. But that's your fault though, because you always leave your phone places, don't you? I do. Yeah. And yeah. like, is it? Yeah, like you're. Yeah, like, it's like, stupid. It is stupid. Why would yeah. you do it? Well, I I have a theory that a watch phone never beeps, and I run a business very much involved with my phone, so I leave it for an hour. Absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. So anyway, I don't really want to talk about it because I kind of think. Okay. Oh no, I do. Uh, I I had a great experience. Um, I certainly saw in the morning, and um. You yeah. still trade off it to this day as well, though. So oh, I do for the rest of the school, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it blows their minds, doesn't it? When they they're like, "Oh, I've seen you on Raw." Like well, after, well, yeah, because they know yeah. you for a little while, and then they're like, you know, like, you know, like you think you'd do a bit of research before you come to a wrestling school. It it trains me. Yeah. Trainers are, but uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realise, and then they're like, come in like after having been at the school for like six months, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't realise you wrestled." <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did one of them say to you, say to you the other day? Oh. I didn't know Andy did a York Hall. Yeah, I right. Like, I was wrestling York Hall 10 fours, you even running it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't know Andy done a York Hall. Yeah, man. someone said that. Yeah. 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 But um, there you go. They put their trust in people, you know, like if, it, if to be fair, maybe I, I didn't know who Mark Sloan was, really. I knew his name. No, but the, the world forms, has changed, though. The world has changed. Everything's more local now. Yeah. Well. And didn't um, Mike Bucci get fired shortly after? No, he got fired shortly before. Oh, okay. So so, so this also worked against my favor. This is You've kind of reminded me, this is another interesting thing, is uh, maybe, May, I don't know, so this was October, I want to say the end of August, early September, Mike Bucci was fired from WWE because he was involved in that signature pharmacy scandal. Yeah. I believe, allegedly. Uh, and uh, I believe that. Because we know they're listening. Yeah. Well, you never know. Hi, Vince um, and well, if, if Mike Booch... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so I do think uh, if... Because uh, obviously Nikita was in WWE as well at the time. She was in developmental and they're all... And, she cre- and to, to be fair, Nikita credits you with uh, getting her signed, doesn't she? Yes, she does, which we'll tell that story another day. Okay, sorry. No, 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 but I mean that like, that's quite an interesting story. But yeah, I kind of think that if Bucci was still in charge they might have gone to bat for me a bit more. And um, and again, this might be completely me being a bit of a, not conspiracy theorist, because I'm not sure that's the right terminology, but uh, shortly after I did the uh, bit with Umaga, Colin Delaney started doing his gimmick. Yeah, where he you got, thought you could have been... I thought either... This is my theory, in fun, in jest, right? Facetiously, but kind is of Is this like the time that you said that you wanted to come in as Ron Simmons' nephew? Son. So that was that was going to be an angle oh, I okay. wanted to pitch was I was going to be Ron Simmons' son. Damn. Um, who uh, <laughs> Ron Simmons' son? Who he met in uh, sorry he met a woman in England on his tour, and then I'd do the damn thing with him. But that as would, a that would proper well spoken. We got your mum in as well. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> <That'd> be well <laughs> funny, wouldn't it? Damn. Your dad, and your dad could do a run in. Yeah. Stick up for yeah. How dare you? So uh, that was that was kind of an idea I did actually float around. Uh, but we well, could still do it. Well, me and you. I think Ron Simmons yeah. is on the uh, oh, yeah, Indies. Yeah, because he was with the company at the time. He was there that day, actually. So uh, I remember meeting him that day. Um, I was like, hey, uh, Ron, got this angle. What do you think? No, I wish I had the guts to say that. So uh, so anyway, shortly after that, Colin Delaney started doing this thing where he was getting battered every week and every week and every week. And I do think, oh, I wonder if, if that bit from Raw was so um, impactful to someone. They were like, ah, I quite like the idea of doing this every week. 
Yeah, and, and that's weird though, the Colin Delaney story as well, because he wasn't actually very good, was he? And, and I remember the story of he didn't he they wanted someone who didn't look like a wrestler they had a load of that's that school right. sent wrestlers they're like give, give us your guy who looks at least like a wrestler and that's how he got signed yes so you can see how it could easily happen but i'll give you the example of for example james ellsworth was used as an extra in a similar manner yes um to get squashed by braun Strowman, and he did a hell of a job and he wound up getting signed from it and i know he's just been released but he got a good little run yeah, out of, run. of that okay. something which was supposed to be a one-night thing similar to your thing with umaga so it's not uh, 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 it completely I'm, outside the realms. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm right. trying to say. Without saying like you're not a dreamer, you're not you're not being like deluded. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And yeah. we've met a lot of deluded people over our time. Yeah, but, um, sure, we could have a whole episode on deluded idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a few on the list already of topics. So, um, so that was it. That was my. Uh, it was referred to on uh, one of my. Well, I don't think it was Wikipedia, one of the wrestling websites where they profile wrestlers. It was referred to as my 15 minutes of fame. There you go. And that kind of made me feel a bit sad, actually. What did, what did Brian Alvarez say about it on Figure uh, 4 Weekly? Yeah, of course, because a couple of years later, you'd subscribed and we were listening to it, weren't we? And yeah, because there wasn't a Wrestling Observer Radio at the time, but he was doing a show. Right, right? and his exact words were, and I, don't, I remember this. Oh, it might have been a Wrestling Observer Radio. It may have been from that. I don't remember. Oh, it was definitely Alvarez who yeah, said it. Yeah, it was Alvarez who said it, yeah. He said, it bored me. Now say it in the accent. Uh, it bored me, but it didn't bore me as much as I thought it was going to bore me. So I guess that's a compliment. Which I guess, it, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you fancy being bored, but not as much as you think you might be bored by this for me just talking about it, uh, it's uh, one of the episodes, I believe it's October the 17th, 2007. Uh, it's on the WWE Network. So um, please uh, check it out. It might actually be October the 19th. So subscribe to the WWE Network. Um, when you're done with that, subscribe to rpwondemand.com. And if you've got any more... To add about this uh, this experience, uh, no, I don't. Not about this experience, Andy. No, um, it's uh, it was uh, one of those things where I, I. What was slightly funny was when I, I drove home that night, and by the time I got home, it was on telly. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, so yeah. I got my mum and dad out of bed, and we all watched it together. So, uh, so, so that was quite a buzz. And yeah, I kind of always look back and I go, oh, if I done made this decision, you know, if I turn left when I turn right. Uh, maybe you know I'd have I'd have done more than. Do you know what the answer to all of that is though? If you turned left instead of right, you wouldn't be sat here right now recording this wonderful podcast, and all these listeners wouldn't have just been entertained for the last forty-five, fifty minutes or so. That's true. So they should be very grateful. I'm still here. Exactly. So thank you, Andy. Thank <laughs> thank you, Andy. Anything else to add? No, I don't think so. I think we can wrap it up now. It's taken us a while to record this, wasn't cool. it? Due to a few well, because of you, you you just. Uh, Got angry uh, for no reason halfway through. Well, you'll edit that so, out. So, um, yeah, we'll put it in the, uh, the Christmas episode, shall we? <laughs> yeah, the one where you don't want to work over Christmas. So, yeah. um, the best bits. Yeah. The blooper reel. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, um, yeah so well, should we, should we, we've got a show this Saturday, haven't we, Andy? We're using our incredibly talented crew of wrestlers. Rolling your eyes again. No, well, I'm not. <laughs> Why are you trying to start a feud between me and the trainees <laughs> at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling? You want to be the heel promoter, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mountbatten Centre, yep. Portsmouth. This um, Saturday. This Saturday. So if you listen to it after this, after the 27th of January, you are well out of luck. Mm. If you listen to it after the 27th of January, um, then I would plug the cockpit February 4th, but we sold out. Okay. Uh, February 15th, we're back in Portsmouth, Portsmouth Guildhall. There you go. So, if you listen to it after the 27th of February. So, January. January. Sorry. January. January. This Saturday. This Saturday. Mountbatten um, Centre. Tickets and it's available from revolutionproprowrestling.com. And uh, it's our, it's our, um, our Portsmouth School of Wrestling. It's a great opportunity to see the stars of tomorrow today. And we have got some good little hands in there. So Curtis um, Chapman. James Tice, still, yeah. still on the verge of a comeback. And lots of people who you've not heard of, but you will be hearing a lot of in coming weeks and months. All right? So make sure you check it out. It's for the house only, isn't it, Andy? Yes, it is. Yes, so. it will not be recorded for on demand. So, you know, you can be there. Yeah, miss it, miss out. Mimo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's enough. Uh, follow me on Twitter at A Quilden, A Q U I L D A N. And follow me at Boy Simmons, B O Y S I M M O N Z. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.